Welcome to another episode of the Caring for Changes podcast. And in this one, we're going to be talking about the notion of preserving the loved one's autonomy. Whether we're talking about cognitive decline or physical impairment, anytime somebody's living in a diminished capacity, they should still be able to retain the power of choice while those choices can still be made. Obviously, if somebody is further along in their journey and they're either incapable of making the best choices for themselves, and that's when we're really talking about safety as being a factor, then it's incumbent on us as caregivers to step in and to do what's best. Long before I fell into caregiving, I actually came up through a sales culture. And I learned early on, when you present people with a choice between A or B, it's a lot more empowering than simply yes or no. And it's so true on the caregiving path where you're in effect by doing this, directly communicating to the person their dignity is intact. And in more cases than not, this has only been my experience, there's a quality to the relationship that improves through taking this approach. And that's the key. By focusing on the relationship over the task, what they think and what they feel in any given moment absolutely matters to you. Because one of the things we as caregivers learn early on is the characteristic of patience. If it's intrinsic, it's going to be challenged at times. And you're going to find that your own patience gets somewhat enhanced in certain situations, usually when you don't need it to be happening. And we're not here to talk about your needs, of course. It's about the autonomy of the loved one. But say, for instance, you have to head out for an appointment for the loved one, be it a doctor's appointment or some other commitment where you just have to get out the door. Whatever time you think is allowed in your head to get ready, I almost want to say double it. It's a time to slow down when preparing. Sometimes those with Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia or in a diminished physical capacity or even those on the autism spectrum need more time to prepare to go out. Choices need to be made. Now, if they're able to do this task without your help, that's great. And sometimes asking for help is not top of mind with the loved one. That's a great example of where the A-B choice can really come into play. Would you like to wear this top or this one? The more the loved one is involved in this or any process, the more their autonomy is being respected. How can that not help form a more fruitful relationship between the caregiver and the loved one? Rushing through care is never an ideal situation. It can cause a lot of emotional distress, increase anxiety, agitation, even aggression that could be brought out in the loved one. It may be as simple as just backing off in the moment because sometimes if you insist, they will resist. We have to remember to take a time out, stop what you're doing. Can this particular task be done later? And if things are not flowing, you can always ask for help. It seems like the word help can be a dirty four letter word for caregivers. We wanna be able to think that we can do it all. And that's simply not the case. Nobody can, not 100% of the time. When you need it, recognize it, ask for it. And getting back to respecting autonomy, it may seem manipulative to take this approach, but sometimes starting the interaction in a conversational way can be enough. We have to be willing to take on different approaches. If the person is so far along in their journey that they cannot verbalize what it is they want, what's wrong with announcing your intentions anyway? 
either as you're doing it or just before you go to do it. And if you're in a situation where somebody's distressed, again, it really feels like manipulation when you talk about this, but distraction could be your best friend. And start talking about a subject or someone who perhaps is meaningful to that person. Or maybe even talking about plans for an activity that you know that person enjoys or how much they enjoyed it last time. And there absolutely are ways to do this without compromising the person's autonomy. And another thing about tasking is the idea of putting yourself in their shoes. Try to understand the situation from their perspective. This is where empathy comes in. Finding out what are they needing in that moment. Maybe it's a bathroom break or a drink of water. Even just taking their hand and communicating with your eyes and your tone of voice some level of reassurance that you're there because you're really there to provide comfort as much as you are care. And just go with the flow. If you're a few minutes taking longer to do something that in your mind probably should have been done by now, if you're focusing on the moment and their needs in that moment, then you're doing your job. When it comes to playing games with somebody who is in cognitive decline or perhaps a physical limitation, just think of what being able to accomplish something in their minds would mean to them. If I were playing pool, playing eight ball with somebody, because that happens to be an activity that that person enjoys and is still able to do. And that person happens to make an amazing shot, almost a trick shot. Who am I to burst their bubble? If it just so happens that they did it with my ball and not theirs and just didn't notice it. It might even be something not nearly as dramatic as that where they're all of a sudden playing with the low balls and they should be aiming for the high balls. Not pointing that out is something I would default to unless that person asks. Obviously, you got to look to your heart. And after a while, as caregivers, we get to practice. You'll just know when these times come up, what's the next right thing to do. The bottom line is if they're enjoying themselves, if they're in the moment and engaged, that's all that matters. And you'll know when the time comes to move on too and, and quit you when you sense fatigue or frustration perhaps starting to creep in. Don't wait and just follow your gut. And if somebody's so far along on their journey where choice is not a question anymore, there are still ways to honor the loved one's autonomy simply by being present. If you're helping someone with an activity that they would normally be enjoying, but as their progression, if they're in cognitive decline, has started to take hold and they're not able to see an easier way perhaps of doing something or particular task, or they're starting to express some level of frustration, it's so tempting as caregivers just to say, here, let me help you. When really a more healthy approach for the situation could be as simple as, I noticed that we've got more on this side to work with than the other side. Would you like some help with that? It's just one example of taking a different approach. When you think about it, the last thing anybody wants to hear, regardless of their affliction, and this extends to able-bodied and able-minded people, are things like, you're doing it wrong, or no, that's not the way. Maybe it sounds like I'm being oversensitive to this stuff, but these subtle differences in showing respect and extending a level of empathy to the point where you're mindful, obviously, of that person's dignity often makes a huge difference 
and can end up a very positive experience for the loved one and a very rewarding one for you as the caregiver. One of the trickiest things to navigate is a situation where as a caregiver, you're walking into say a couple who have been in a long time union and now one of the partners is having to caregive for the other. It is living through some heart-wrenching changes as their significant other is in decline and they've been weathering this journey. And to hear that person openly express unfiltered frustration can be very hard. And that's where you're going to be hearing things like, I told you, this is where it is. I've told you already. Remember? Remember, as a term, is one of the most useless things to be saying to somebody with Alzheimer's or any other form of dementia. But you can see how most people just default to it without really thinking. Remember me? Or you remember her? And the family caregiver, whether that's a spouse, son, daughter, niece or nephew, if theirs is a day-to-day -day immersion, it's not easy to focus on preserving the loved one's autonomy. That doesn't mean, of course, they love them any less. It's simply that this just takes so much out of caregivers that they can't always see the effect that tone of voice or language being used or terms is having on that person. They're not intentionally trying to make the loved one feel shame for not being able to do something or remember a task. But when it happens in front of a third party, it can be a very uncomfortable thing to watch. Now, part of the reason that the word preserve was chosen for this episode is simple. If there's an activity, if there's something they enjoy doing, or a household chore perhaps, that they're still capable of, perhaps not at the level that they used to be able to do it, then the person should be permitted to continue doing that activity, continue practicing it for as long as they can. And there are certainly loving ways in relationship where you can help extend whatever your loved one's tasking ability happens to be at whatever level they're taking something on. And a couple of quick stories in that regard regarding my own experience in caregiving for my late partner, Judy. Judy was an avid walker probably up to about six months before her Alzheimer's journey ended. And in preparing to go out, she was not only able to tie her own shoes almost to the end, but she did it while turning her head to the side and looking at me and being able to do it from memory. Man, I can't even do that. And she would tie those shoelaces flawlessly every time. It was just one of those things. I remember her GP, her physician commenting, it's like Judy is a, a shoelace savant. I think was the term he used. I remember one night in the kitchen doing dishes, both washing by hand and drying by hand, and it was something that I had taken on basically along with a lot of the other housework for the longest time. One night Judy walked over and just gave me the most loving look and said, can I help? And I said, well, of course you can. And she grabbed a towel and we did the dishes together, little noticing all the water that happened to be getting on the floor due to her lack of attention. It did not matter in that moment. I mean, it pangs me to think, had I stopped and said, look at this, you're getting water all over. I know in my heart that would have burst the bubble and that she would have been absolutely crushed. 
So once we were done and she was back suddenly, and I don't know, probably watching television or listening to music in the other room, that was when I discreetly took a mop and cleaned up the excess water on the floor without her knowing. The joy in that moment simply far outweighed me having to clean up after cleanup. And that has brought up another memory, and I'm going to end with this story because it goes right to the heart of what we've been talking about. Laundry ended up being a task that we were actually able to turn into a game. We'd dump a huge basket of clothes on the bed. Judy's part in this was matching up socks and folding them. So there'd be, if you can imagine, this whole section of the duvet that was covered with socks. And together we'd straighten them out and lay them out on the bed in any kind of random order. And it got to be just like this fun puzzle that she and I would do. I'd help get everything lined up for her, but it was her job to pair up all these socks that were on the bed and then fold them together and put them in the drawer. This actually became one of the last activities that Judy and I were able to do together and to clearly see what it meant to her to be able to do this. And near the end, as her caregiver, it did not matter to me the extra effort of having to go back in the drawers once my partner was out of the room to dig out and have to refold all the socks that had been you guessed it, mismatched. It didn't matter to me what the quality of that tasking was like. In preserving what we can of the loved one's autonomy, we are, in effect, honoring the most complete version of that person that happens to be showing up on any given day. Home Healthcare Network thanks you for listening to our podcast, Caring for Changes, with yours truly, B.J. Doyle. And we hope you'll join us for our next episode, where we will discuss other aspects of home care and dementia care with a caregiver's focus. In the meantime, you can find out more information at our website, homehealthcarenetwork.ca.